Hello everyone, I'm Ram Harrig, and the host of Her Voice, MasterCard's podcast series that lifts the lids on the success stories of phenomenal women entrepreneurs in the Middle East. As I speak with these amazing women, their stories will be amplified through this series, strengthening and amplifying their opinion, experience, and impact on others. Their inspirational stories will be their own personal accounts of what it means to be a woman with big dreams and how these dreams can be achieved despite struggles and challenges. Her voice was born out of MasterCard's vision to support small businesses to strengthen and grow a digital economy that works for everyone, everywhere, including women entrepreneurs. And that's why I have this pleasure of sitting down with six inspirational women, a rare opportunity to learn how they found their own voice against the odds and how they learned to stand up and be heard. We'll also discover and celebrate the exciting progress that has been made in line with Saudi Arabia's vision 2030. So grab a coffee, sit back as we amplify her voice through inspiring stories. Welcome to the MasterCard Her Voice podcast series, which reveals what it's like being a woman in the Middle East in 2022. Today, I'm sitting down with a fearless woman who has made her mark as an author, a businesswoman, and an advocate for women in education, and I'm proud to call her my friend. Maria Musalli, welcome to Her Voice. Thank you, Rahawala. Thank you so much for having me. Mariam, you're a mother, a journalist, an entrepreneur, have you had to make compromises or sacrifices to achieve the success and happiness as both a mom and a successful writer? I think, you know, for sure, there's been sacrifices in terms of, you know, prioritizing each of those things. You know, I think that as women, we want to give each thing 100 percent. And then we're really, you know, down on ourselves when we don't do that. So I think that, you know, one of the things that I've learned, you know, throughout my career and, you know, even my personal life is that to accept myself and accept the way that I prioritize things um, and have to, you know, sometimes, yes, compromise and sacrifice, you know, but you know, as women, we try to do it all. And I think, you know, what's amazing about our gender is that we are amazing multitaskers. So for me, I would say, yes, you know, for sure. Personal time, like me time is definitely something that perhaps I need to prioritize more. But I think that I wouldn't have gotten where I am today without, you know, trying at least to prioritize those things and having the support system that I do. Absolutely. It's kind of a balance, isn't it? A balancing act that we as women do very well. One of your many hats is a publisher and a writer. So your book, Under the Abaya, is one of actually my favorites. I'm a big fan. And you're in it. So thank you for being part of that. <laughs> I didn't want to support like a soft it. Flex. So thank you. We're happy to have women like you and to really represent that new image of Saudi women. Because I think for so long we've had such a, a misrepresentation when it comes to our image and our narrative. So thank you for that. I'm honored. And actually, you line up my question perfectly. Um, You mentioned why we are in the book and why we are bold, that you are even bolder for making that book happen. So what is it about you 
that makes you fearless? I mean, I know, but I want you to share with us. <laughs> well, I think if you ask my mom, she'll just be like extreme stubbornness. I think growing up, I was always that, you know, annoying, rebellious kid um, that, you know, wanted to do things my way and never taking, you know, the status quo and, you know, never accepting, sorry, the status quo. And I think for, for this book, you know, it was just kind of serendipitous. The, things just really lined up. I was asked to participate in the Jeddah um, book fair for the, its first inaugural um, year. And I would realize like I always had this idea sitting in my head of doing something that really championed, um, you know, Saudi women. And I thought, what better way than disguising it as a street style fashion book, right? Because, <laughs> you know, people love fashion. But they don't really like activism. You know, it's that's kind of... Um, What's the word? It's not controversial. You have to take sides, you know, when it comes to activism. And I think, you know, but fashion, that's easy. And so I really wanted to create a platform. I mean, not just a book, but really a platform that was able to be really attractive to everyone while also, you know, having a cause. And, you know, and, and that's the thing with Under the Abaya. It's it's not just about, oh, look at what she's wearing in Jeddah versus Hobart. It's look at this woman who has similar obstacles as me that, you know, has these universal issues that every woman around the world can relate to. And I just wanted to show that because I think for so long we have been misrepresented in media, you know, because we're not telling our own stories. They're telling it for us. And I wanted us to gain back that control. And so, you know, that's why this whole book is really, you know, it's all volunteers. You know, you volunteered your image, your voice. And, I, you know, I'm so grateful for that. Because And all of these women, I mean, now we have over 500 when you combine the two editions. And, the you know, the whole idea behind behind that is that we're looking at having, you know, these women tell their story for themselves rather than having someone else write it for them. That's one of the reasons why I love this book so much is because it gives women a platform for their voices and it highlights the lesser known parts of a Saudi woman's life in the kingdom. And I think that's what makes it so unique. But why do you think it's important to give other women a platform? Well, I think, you know, as women, we are really collaborative. And I think, you know, the coolest thing about this initiative is that it truly is the definition of women supporting women. You know, again, these were all volunteered submissions. These were, you know, even to this day, you know, we're celebrating five years now and we're doing a cruise on March 8th to celebrate these five years. And I'm telling you, the support that we're getting from everyone in the community, I mean, even when it comes to media, I mean, we've been published in Nylon Japan, Marie Claire Italia. I mean, these are all female writers that are like, we love to feature your story. And I think, you know, that's what's really great about it is that, the, you know, women want to support other women. You know, we often get a bad rap, you know, that we're emotional, you know, instead of versus bossy. You know, there's that kind of uh, double standard that we often see when it comes to genders. And I think that this book proves otherwise. And I think it's important because, you know, women now we're active members, whether it's in the economy or, you know, the breadwinner for the, the home now. I mean, things have changed. It's no longer that nuclear family of the father going, you know, to work with the mom staying at home with the two kids. And I wanted to show that. I wanted to show that diversity, that dynamism that comes out of, you know, just women in general. And I think, again, it's really universal. And the more women, any of the young women growing up see, you know, these other women out there, it encourages them. and It really does inspire them.
You know, there was a study done by Babson College uh, a few years ago that talked about how when women see other women, you know, in their shoes, you know, so to speak, they're more likely to go for it. They're more likely to take that risk and that chance. And I think, you know, if we can just aspi- uh, inspire a few women to, you know, take that that job interview or, you know, t- take that role as an entrepreneur, then that's great. Then that's, you know, a well done uh, job from our side. Absolutely. And you do it so well. And I, I, I personally can see where it comes from because I know you personally and I admire you so deeply. But if someone who doesn't know you would ask you, why are you particularly interested in giving women a voice this way? So I think, you know, throughout my career, especially as a journalist, one of the things that I noticed, you know, when I moved back in 2007 to Saudi was that even local news was often taken from the wires. So when it came to stories um, about Saudi, we weren't even writing them ourselves. And that's one of the reasons why I started the life and style section um, at the newspaper. And I feel like throughout my you know 15 year career, that's always been my mission to have the locals tell their their own narrative. And I think Again, the reason of putting it in this format, so to speak, is because, one, I thought it would be easily digestible for the outside world. And two, I think it's something that's an easy read that people can really get into. And I really think it it expands your mind. I mean, the feedback that I get often from the book is, you know, especially from uh, foreigners, is that, oh, my God, I didn't know it was like this. Or, you know, I didn't know that the women of Saudi were so diverse, you know, because in our book we feature, you know, mountain climbers such as yourself, um, you know, ballerinas, uh, chefs, entrepreneurs, dermatologists. I mean, the list goes on. And it's just to show, again, that, you know, every Every, every girl in Saudi is, you know, just like anyone else. We have our aspirations and we have our ambitions and we're also doing things. I think that's also a big misconception that we have from the outside world is that all of a sudden we woke up, you know, 2030 and was like, oh, yeah, we're doing stuff. No, we've been doing stuff. What's changed is that now we have the amazing support of our leadership and these amazing initiatives, you know, from a governmental side that's allowing us to amplify those voices. So, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, absolutely. And this is why I always advise people to pick that book up because it highlights us in such a beautiful light across the board. I mean, it has so many different backgrounds and you said it so beautifully. I'm going to show you off a little bit because, like I said, she's my friend sure. too. <laughs> um, but she's been, you've, been previously, you've been previously ranked um, on the 30 under 30 entrepreneur list. What does it take to launch an SME in the region? get a voice, get clients, get financing, and eventually become a successful female entrepreneur at such a young age. I definitely think you have to be a gambler. And I always laugh at that because I always tell people, I mean, that was kind of it. It's it's that you got to take risks. I mean, when I started Niche, I was in a really beautiful position at the newspaper. My name was getting out there. Um, you know, I was traveling for Fashion Week. I mean, it's something in your 20s that you just dream of. You know, I was basically living Emily in Paris kind of life. <laughs> and, you know, and then, yeah. and then I realized without without the cool wardrobe, though. Basically, what it was was that, and I think with any entrepreneurs, that you look and you see a void in the market, and you really need to take that leap, that chance to, you know, actually, you know, to have that reward, you know, high risk, high reward. And so for me, it was that. And I remember, you know, going to my father and saying, Here's my, you know, documents. I need you to register my company. He said, Excuse me, not nah, Manny. What are you doing home? <laughs> He's like, That's why you've been home this whole time. I was like, Yeah, by the way, I resigned and I'm starting a company that, you know, is going to be the bridge for the 
outside world to understand the Saudi female consumer and her 360 needs. And I really felt that I could bridge that gap. I mean, I was way too young. I made a lot of mistakes in terms of how to manage a team and all of that because I had zero experience doing it. But it got me to where I am today where, you know, at my age now, I have 15 years experience. We are, we're first to market. We have one of the largest market shares. Um, and now I'm proud to say that, you know, our clients are a lot of the government institutions, which I'm super proud of because my goal in life has always been to be the PR for Saudi. You know, I just feel like, you know, we're such a beautiful nation and we just need, you know, better PR. I'm absolutely. And you do it so well. And I can attest to that. I've been working with the guys for a few okay, years. You. And it, that's what you need. You need local talent to highlight the country. It's just it's just a perfect storm. Another reason why I love this book so much, and I'm going to stop boasting about it, but I really do love this book, um, <laughs> is because uh, all the proceeds of the book go towards scholarships for women in pursuit of higher education. And that brings me to a, maybe a more personal question um, again. Why to you is women education so important in the context of the Arab world? I think education is always important. I remember my mom, you know, telling me, we can't give you kids everything, but the one thing I'll make sure that you have is a good education because with that tool, you'll be able to do whatever you want. And it's something that really stuck with me as a kid. I mean, I remember being in, in high school and then finding out that college was optional. You know, my sister's in education, my mom's in education, my stepmom's in education. So I was, you know, that was kind of shoved down my throat, the importance of it. But I, you know, and I, and I believe in it. And, you know, I remember when we did this, um, you know, the, when we gave out the scholarships, we had one woman that was actually in her 40s that came to to apply for the scholarship. And I'll never forget it because, she, I was, you know, we asked her about her, you know, her background and everything. And she said, my kids are waiting in the car while I give this interview. And she's like, I want to show them that it's never too late, too late to achieve your dreams. And for me, it was like, she gets it. You know, I wanted to give her the scholarship right away. You know, for me, that was just so inspiring. And I think, you know, giving these women that platform and that chance in order to pursue their passion and their dream is something that, you know, no client retainer is going to make you feel as fulfilled. It's really something that really kind of hooked me onto philanthropy after seeing those actual results. Um, but I, again, you know, just going back to education, I think those are the tools that will enable people. I mean, we always talk about the word, you know, female empowerment, you know, and I've heard other speakers talk about female enablement. And that's what we need to do as women is enable each other to achieve things. Absolutely. And excuse the, the pun here, but it's priceless, isn't it? To give yes. someone away. <laughs> A, a, a chance to to get an education it's just you empower not just a person you empower so many other people if you could go yeah. back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice what would it be oh one piece i mean i feel like there's a lot that i would have to tell myself <laughs> give it a um, top, the top you know ones. you know what i would say i would say be more adventurous i think that a lot of times uh, when you're young, you try to be perfect. And I see that even now with my young interns that come into the office, they're always scared to make a mistake. And, you know, we talk a lot about how you can leverage failure and learn from that. But I think what's more important is, you know, being being able to take that risk, because without risk, you're not going to have that reward. And so I think for me, it would be like, you know, stop caring what people think, because, you know, now at my age, you know, in my late 30s, I'm like, I really don't care what people think. <laughs> but that took me quite but 
Mariam, some time. So I, I would say start you, earlier. Mariam, who are you kidding? Uh, I don't think you ever cared what anyone thinks. And I love that oh, yeah. about you. From, the day, <laughs> no, from no. day one, I met Mariam. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is a I boss know, lady. I'm a bit too outspoken <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but uh, no, but I think, I think, you know, really just that, you know, we're so self-conscious these days. And especially as girls, you know, society has put that on us. And I think that it's time to also regain that back, that power of saying, you know, this is who I am and this is what I want to say and this is my opinion. And, you know, I don't care who disagrees with it. Absolutely. And I I, I, uh, I can confirm, guys, <laughs> Maria, whatever Mariam says, I've seen. And she's she's one of those people. <laughs> she's one of those people that she says what she does and does what she says. And I admire that about her. But um, you yeah, can you can tell I'm, I'm well, gushing. Well, coming from you, this is amazing. The girl like, you know, went up Mount Everest. <laughs> I, I couldn't even make it to ba- base camp. I watch movies and I'm like, what? Base camp? I thought that was it. <laughs> Everybody's got their Everest, right? But um, but yeah, I really admire you. I've been admi- a big admirer of you over the years. Um, one last question before you go. Maniam, what do you think is priceless? What, in your opinion, is something that's priceless? Ooh, time. I think, you know, yes, we were talking, you know, your first question about sacrificing and compromises. That's the only thing I can think of is is time. You know, if I could clone myself and have, you know, five Mariams, that'd be great. But one of the things that I realized the true luxury in life is your time. And don't give that up. You know the value. I think a lot of times we devalue ourselves as humans. You know, we forget that, you know, our, our biggest, I would say, you know, asset is is the time we give people. So for sure, I think time is priceless. Every, every time I ask this question, like a little light bulb boom, goes up in my head. Thank you so much for joining me today and for agreeing to share your story so beautifully. Um, I'm a true believer that there's power in sharing stories, this power in being able to to step in someone else's shoes and understand what are the struggles they've been through. And that's why I love being part of MasterCard Her Voice podcast, because that's exactly what you do. We collectively stand together and change and put the positivity that we want to see in the world. It was great. And, you know, just to, to sit and talk with you and catch up. And, you no, know, thank you again for giving us this opportunity to, you know, spread the word. But Hagigi Mariam, your story is such an inspiration, uh, not just to be for, I'm sure, many people. So thank you so much for being awesome and being you. Habibti. Thank you to my guest for that inspirational story. Her voice are stories of inspiring and brave women brought to you by MasterCard as part of a podcast series that amplifies the voices of women through women. If you feel empowered and inspired, may this be a reminder of the impact of your own voice to encourage and drive confidence in other women. Please visit priceless.com slash her voice and get to know the stories behind the voice podcast series. I am Raham Harrag, your host signing off for now. Stay safe and stay tuned. Ma salamu.